We all have those family photos, those Christmas photos, and this was ours from 2018. And what a lot of people don't see is in the middle of all the smiles and all the joy and us walking toward the camera was all the drama and all the difficulty and all the struggle to get us just to that shot. You don't see the, the struggle between my wife and I as we're wrestling over what we're wearing and where we're standing and how we're interacting or the kids wanting to get in between us or the other ones not wanting to be in front of a camera. I'm not going to smile. I don't want to do this. It's hot out here. Why are we dressed like this? You name it. There's always a story behind every photo. There's always moments of hard work, of constant crying and distraction and discussion and all these things. And it's the same thing with a legacy. Any moment that you capture, any amazing moment that you're going to celebrate in your life has this life that's being lived up to that point. And everything that you're going to pass on in your legacy, everything that you're going to pass on in their, your name, in your family name, is going to have to be lived out every single day. You see, as we begin this, I want to tell you, you're not going to give a legacy. You're going to live a legacy. And as you live that legacy, you're going to live it in a rhythm. There's going to be a rhythm that comes with every day living out of that legacy. Last week, we looked at kind of the, the map of that legacy being formed, right? As you begin to pass that family name on, you're going to break away from the brokenness. You're going to then build on those blessings. And we started looking at what those things are and what you need to rehearse and what you need to set aside and, and how you need to bring in the word of God and all those pieces. But we kind of left out like, what's the rhythm of this? How, how do I do this? When do I do that? Where does it go? And that rhythm, you know, that rhythm has got to be there every single day because you're not going to just give a legacy. You're going to live a legacy. You're going to live it in a rhythm and in fact, that rhythm begins by living a legacy daily. And that's where we begin. We want to start in the beginning with this lived out legacy. The Israelites understood this concept. It's found here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. And we call this the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Now that is the text that reminds you of that rhythm we spoke of last year during our phases series. We're talking about that morning, meals, travel, night concept where we're constantly infusing our lives with the very truths of Scripture, with the very commandments of God, with the very instruction that He's given to us. Because, hey, in our homes and in our lives, we want to be passing on the faith, that spiritual legacy that enhances all of our legacy. Because when Jesus comes into your genealogy, everything changes, right? And so we want to bring Jesus into that everyday living. Again, as it says, you're going to talk about Jesus. You're going to talk about your legacy. You're going to talk about that breaking away from that brokenness and that building on those blessings and those stories of redemption and the power of the word of God. All that is going to happen when you sit in your house, when, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. 
And all these pieces become that rhythm of life where you're going to begin to pour it in. Morning meals, travel night. Morning meals, travel night. Man, that's that family meeting, family meals, not just family meetings, but family meals. We'll sit around our table and have lots of old video of my kids as we'd ask them questions about what do you think it's going to be like when you get to heaven? Or, hey, you know, we have this question from that book, that foundations book that we've been asking. We get into discussions now with our teenagers and we dive in deep as we're trying to pass on as often as we can in these various rhythms and various moments, things about the Lord. When we were driving, and I would take my daughter off to, to high school earlier this year, we would have long conversations about what she was seeing and how she was handling it and what she could be doing differently. We would go on walks now and we'll have long conversations with our kids. Maybe it's on hikes. And these are all options as you engage in these conversations, as you break from those old broken habits, as you address those issues in the middle of the morning, when you're watching what your, your kids are looking at on television or engaged in, in a video game, you name it, you're going to be passing it on. And look, here's the important thing. When it comes to these kind of rhythms, realize it's not what you do some of the time. It's what you do most of the time. See, a lot of people, we think, hey, I can do this just a little bit and my kids are going to get it. I can go to church once in a while. I can talk about Jesus here and there. Uh, maybe I'll have a quiet time here and there. But listen, your kids are going to catch the legacy that you're giving them. And it's what you do most of the time, not some of the time, that's going to make the greatest impact in their lives. And it's a great question. What is the most of the time for you? What is the most of the time? Is it busy at work and running off in here and doing this thing there? What is the most of the time in your conversations versus the sum of the time? Vodi Bauckham, an author out there, wrote on family, um, just some family life stuff, wrote in one of his books about a, a man that he counseled from his church. He'd come in, tears and, and, and just distraught about his son who'd gone off to college wasn't going to church, didn't care about faith, didn't want to do anything. He was on the baseball team. He liked the girls. He was going for everything the baseball team had. He's like, what did I do wrong? And Vodi didn't pull any punches. He leaned over to him and said, what do you think? You discipled him into baseball. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, on Sundays, were you here all the time? Were you here engaging? Were you here most of the time? Sheepishly, he's like, no. He's like, no, you were at the field. You were teaching your son which was more important, baseball or the faith. When it was time for youth group, you were at practice. Sure, you showed up once in a while, but it's not what you did some of the time. It's what you did most of the time that made the priorities. And so when it comes to living in the rhythm, when it comes to passing on the legacy, when you begin to look over what you do most of the time, you're going to begin to see what that is. And you're going to have to begin to reevaluate what's in your calendar and what's happening at your meals. And when are you connecting with your family? It, again, it's not what you do most of the, or some of the time. It's what you do most of the time. Now, as we continue then, we realize that there's another way that you and I need to engage. We need to engage in spiritual disciplines then, because some of this means we have to be a different kind of person. We have to change who we are. See, at the beginning of Deuteronomy, it says we need to love the Lord your God. That was the command it was calling us to. But why do we need to be commanded that except that we forget, right? We slide into our natural states. We fall back into the carnal kind of living, this kind of flesh living, this, this just kind of basic default manner. And so it's no wonder that Paul, when he's talking about the good and the beautiful and the lovely and the true, that he actually tells us in Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse nine, that what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. 
See, these things that Paul was practicing in his home, in his life, out in the public square, was what he wanted them to emulate. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, I think that means quiet time with God, special time with God, getting away, sitting downstairs. He used to meet with a group of men, and they would literally spend time in the Word and on purpose leave their Bibles open so their children could see that Dad had been there. You know, they would have conversations with their kids intentionally, working with them, praying with them. But you need to do this too because you put these spiritual habits into your life. You put these spiritual disciplines daily into your life and it shapes who you are. You see, you are going to live a legacy. And as you're shaped, so your legacy is shaped. And as you engage with God on a daily basis, as you get in and pray, as you're reading the word of God, memorizing scriptures, you're meditating and thinking through your day and offering it over to the Lord and sacrificing yourself up to God as a daily offering to him. It shapes you. It changes you. Sure, your life may be going awesome. You may have a great 401k. You may have an awesome uh, health and you may be all kinds of things. Great. Pass those things on as well on purpose. You know, bring your kids out and, and go exercise. And go show them how to use their finances well. Teach them that hard work in the yard. Those are things you can do daily as well. But do not neglect the important aspect of spending that daily time with God. Because when the crisis hits and the job is gone and the stock market's plummeted and when you're locked home in your house and not allowed to leave, man, you're going to see how all that time in the word and all that time in prayer has shaped you into a person capable of leading your children to the Lord in the middle of a crisis and not away. And so we want to be people who are living out these things, these, these practices Daily practices of spending time with God, of, of walking in him and living with him, because you, what you're shaped into will shape that legacy. And it can't just be some of the time, because it's going to be what most of the time that you do. Sure, you're going to miss days, but if you're in it most of the time, if you're in prayer most of the time, it's what you do most of the time that's going to transform you, not what you do some of the time. That's why I love this little willow thing. Uh, it sits there as a reminder we should be a people in the word. We should be a people focused on God because this shapes me and then I shape my children. It's the same thing as it comes forward in the matter of one more thing, a godly marriage. You see, our culture needs godly marriages right now. Our culture is in desperate need to see something of a marriage that is powerful again. Men, listen to me. They want to see dads who, who love their moms and, and walk and, and sacrifice for the moms. They want to see moms who are respectful and are able to do things for their family in great ways. All this comes down to a passage we find in Ephesians. Chapter 5, verses 32, 33. And what's interesting about this passage, just after he's just instructed men to love their wives and wives to submit to their husbands and all this controversial stuff that's out there, he lands the plane like this. He says, this mystery, speaking about marriage, is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So a marriage, my friends, reflects Christ and the church. The marriage is an image. And when your children and your legacy looks at your marriage, they are looking at how God and the church work together, how Christ loves the church, how the church walks with Christ. It's a picture because originally marriage was not meant for your pleasure, wasn't meant to give you children so you can have a legacy. It was meant so you could have children to pass on the faith. Back in Genesis, that was the point. It's not just for us. It's a holy, sacred 
thing that we are engaged in, a covenant that you and I, an institution that you and I, a way of life that we're supposed to pass on. And it's profound. And so how do you do this? He just sums it up. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Now, there's that point. Love, again, is not just getting your kicks, not getting what you want. Oh, you got to love me these ways. No, love is, again, being sacrificial. It's saying no to yourself for the benefit of another. It's getting into that kitchen and doing those dishes after a long, hard day. Then you should be going to bed wiped out, men, because you've loved your wife after you've worked your tail off and you've cared for your children to support and care for your spouse. Man, that is hard, hard work. And you should be wiped out because you loved your wife as yourself. And ladies, it says, then let the wife see that she respects her husband. And I get it. He may like playing video games. He may be a bit lazy. He may be these things. But there's a point at which you need to step in and continue to find the things that you do respect about him because it empowers him forward to be a leader for you. Just as he needs to let go and serve you, let go of his own selfishness and his own desires to serve you back and forth. This goes. And I saw it in my own life. You see, my wife and I came to this place in our marriage close to the beginning where we had to choose to have a good marriage. We had to choose it. See, I realized, and after she was showing me and talking to me, that, that I was being lazy. God was showing me that I wasn't serving my wife by letting the house be a mess and, and not getting up to help her. And I had to realize that when I looked up one day and she was sitting, or actually was standing barefoot in the kitchen and pregnant. Now that's a bad scene in my mind, but that's exactly what it was. And I wasn't helping. I was on the couch, lopped down talking. At the same time, I had to shift. I had to start engaging. I had to take on this love for my wife where it was going to hurt me. Yeah, but for her benefit. On the flip, I can remember a drive home one day after a sermon. And um, my wife thought it was good, but she wasn't willing to tell me that because she was hearing everybody else praise what was going on at the church. And she felt like it was important that she kept me pegged down in that appropriate area. You know, like not too haughty, not too arrogant and keep you down here. She was bringing the real. And what she said wasn't untrue, but it just killed me. And we talked and she came to realize that there was a respect she wasn't giving because she was fearing that I would become something that she wouldn't like or whatever. And we talked through that. But when we engaged in that conversation, it was because we chose to have a great marriage because not because we want to just have a great marriage. We want to give it to our children. That's part of the legacy. Divorces in so many backgrounds. And the mess of marriage has created a mess in our culture where people don't know who their dads are, where children are commodities to be bought. This is not the legacy that we want to pass on in the church. What we want to pass on is this awesome beauty of a strong marriage. We fight through the problems. We choose a good marriage. We go for it. We don't abandon. We don't give up. And we don't make excuses. And when we show children that, here's what we show them. We show them the church and God. God doesn't give up on us and we're going to go with him. We're going to follow him wherever he leads us. It's no wonder that as we watch marriages plummet, we're watching people abandon church because they're connected as an image. And we're going to pass on a legacy. We're going to pass on a daily marriage that is holy and grounded in Christ. This is a rhythm, right? We're in a rhythm every single day day. We're living in a rhythm because here's the thing. You and I, we don't just give a legacy. We live a legacy and we live it 
in a rhythm. And that rhythm is also a monthly rhythm. It's a rhythm that you and I need to live in on a, on a regular basis. It's going to happen all the time. In fact, what I mean by monthly is, is actually not the, hey, every month you got to live Christ. No, there's going to be a rhythm in the month. Every weekend, every weekend, every weekend, that's that rhythm. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? That's the rhythm of our life that we're looking for. You live a legacy monthly in a rhythm. We see this. We're actually called to this. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, we are called to be a people that don't give up on the gathering of the brothers and the sisters. It says, not neglecting to meet together. He's telling them, I want you to be together, stir up good works and deeds and all these things, and don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yes, I know we can't necessarily gather in a building right now, but you can gather in small groups, you can gather as a family, you can gather in these opportunities because we want to have a rhythm of time in our month where we're stopping everything and focused on God. We're putting a rhythm in our life of going to church because here's what the church brings. The church shows that the legacy is beyond your family. It goes into that spiritual legacy where other people, youth pastors, youth leaders, Leaders, children's ministers, other people speak into the legacy, upholding it, making it thicker, making it stronger, making it deeper. It's a place where they see that as parents, we have to expose ourselves to the advice of others, the challenge of the pastor and friends to make our marriage work, to be better parents. We have to lean into the support given to us because we can't always be independent and make it always happen. Now, sometimes you and I, we've got to actually ask for help and expose that to our children because we're not going to be pride, proudful. We're going, prideful. We're going to allow God to be the one who works in our lives through his community. This is critical. And all this is shown because we come to church, because we stay together as it aids us and leads us. You know, this is one of the biggest things. You want to be that, that person who's, who's devoted to the word, growing in prayer, shaping you so it shapes your legacy? Well, the number one thing they've shown is that church and small groups accelerate your spiritual development. You see, when you come to church, they've actually shown that if you take it nominally, if you just do it some of the time and not most of the time, if you take it like, yeah, we'll go once in a great while, those are the number one children to leave the church and never come back. If you take it seriously, it's shown that the vast majority of them will follow after Christ. But here's the other thing. The way that you're shaped, the way that you're developed is often mostly done in a community called a small group. Because you're there and you're allowing people to read into you, speak into you, help you understand the word. It's a rhythm. It may be on a Wednesday, maybe on a Thursday. And you need that small group, be it by Zoom or whether it's just simply in person right now, on a Sunday right now, and you're going to discuss after this. That discussion is shown to be the number one accelerator in all spiritual development. And as you're shaped, so is your legacy. As you're transformed, so is your legacy. If you want to join a small group, there's this number right down here. Just let us know. Jump into there. Connect with us. We will get you connected. We want you to have that community. We want you to be able to begin to grow in depth because it is important. We take this legacy on purpose. We've drawn out this map. We're going to live in a rhythm. A rhythm, right? A rhythm. And we want to live out that legacy in a monthly rhythm. And that also includes rest. 
See, in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, we're reminded that we're to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And that means we're going to work six days. We're going to work hard. But there's a day you need to set aside. And you need to just rest. You need to rest in the Lord. You need to take a break from the hard work. Yes, teach your children to work hard. Teach your children to rest well. Have some time where you focus on them. Have some time where you have family time. You sit and you play some games together. You have some conversations together. You have some time where you're literally wrestling on the floor. You have some time where you're able to answer those deep questions because you're going to take some family time on a day of rest. Maybe it's some friend time. You're going to have other people over. You're going to have meals with them. They may be non-Christians. They may be Christians because you're inviting people into your home to show them that you are willing to engage with all those who are made in the image of God for the sake of the kingdom of God. Hey, it may be time that you literally get away and just simply go have some focused time on the Lord and, and you teach them how to do that. But listen, you got to have some rest. Sure. And we got to have some fun in that rest. And we got to have family in that rest. And we got to have friends in that rest. All that's important. But if you don't have the rhythm of rest in your life, your children aren't going to learn that. It's not going to be part of their legacy. They're not going to see that life was structured around God. They're going to think it's just about going to church. Think it's just going to be about going to work. And I'm going to, I'm going to have to find fun somewhere else or something like that. Guys, we want to build into our family these rhythms. Because here's the thing. You're, you don't just give a legacy. You live a legacy. And you live that legacy in a rhythm. You live it in a rhythm. And that means you're going to live it in the rhythm of a legacy of annually. That's, that's a huge piece. See, the, the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament, they celebrated those holidays, right? They had those memorials. And you want to live out your legacy on those, on those holidays. That may be Christmas. And it may be a Christmas that you're, like we do, we go off and we, we go to this candy cane shop and we, we see the guys make the candy canes. It's awesome. Man's a Christian. So we're constantly talking about what it means for the candy cane and Christ and how that comes together. And we poured it in. We poured it in. We put it into the legacy. We get the opportunity that we get gifts for our children. I know one family that literally at Christmas and or for birthdays, what they would do is they would give one gift that was spiritual, one gift that was exciting they wanted, and one gift that was a part of their interests, so that they would further their interests in life. What an awesome, simple part of their legacy. There are so many options that you have to pour into the legacy from Christmas Eve services, from Good Friday service, from taking a day off, from spending time at holidays to eat together and to talk as a family and pray over one another. You name it. Maybe it's the resurrection box that we do as a family where my kids get to actually literally open up an empty box on, um, on Easter morning to find that Jesus risen and their presence are in the room somewhere. All these things build legacy. And they can happen on holidays. They can happen in these awesome times. And here's the thing. If you've ever done Dave Ramsey, one of the funny things he tells you is Christmas comes every year, right? And you're like, I am so stupid. He's right. And I never plan in my budget for Christmas. Well, we started doing that. Now I feel silly because I never plan to lay my legacy in at Christmas. And it comes every year. You can plan at Easter. You can plan at their birthdays. And I just want to encourage you that that plan can be found um, differently every year. You have an annual opportunity at birthdays. This is a great book. It's by Jim Burns and Jeremy Lee. It's called Pass It On. And Pass It On literally walks you through a blueprint of every rite of passage for every year. It gives you a little something to do so that when your children, you know, they, they come around to the age, I believe it's a um, third grade, they get a Bible 
And he gives you a little ceremony to work through. By the time they're in junior high, he gives you an opportunity to bring them up into manhood or out into adolescence. My, my daughter got to go away with my wife up to, up to a little retreat with her friends where they began to introduce all those young ladies into what it meant to be a woman and what was going to happen in their lives and their bodies and all that stuff. And it was something that honestly freaked my daughter out, but at this point has become something that was very, very important to her. The, uh, just this year, I got a chance to take uh, several men who are important in my oldest son's life. And we went out to a trail right behind our house. And I had him walk from one and meet each man as he went. And as they went, they gave him advice about what it meant to be a man because he's begun that journey. They're, they don't have to be difficult, but they're important. And we lay them into our children's lives because we want to pass on to them manhood and womanhood. We want to pass on to them our Christian faith. We want to pass on to them in, in an annual way something important. And this book gives you some great little tools in order to do that. And I want to encourage you to check that out because annually we need to have a plan because there's a rhythm. Right? We are going to live our legacy and we're going to live that legacy in a rhythm. And that rhythm often will be lived also through special times. Not just birthdays, but how about graduations? Right now, some of you guys are graduating and you're not gonna get that awesome graduation walk and all that stuff. And, and so let me just help you out right now so you can listen to this for the next half hour. No, I'm just kidding. You've been spared. But in another way, you're missing out on something incredible. Mom, dad, you could make it something amazing. You could turn something that looks bad into a legacy-making moment. You get to bring Christ into it where maybe the schools weren't going to. You get an opportunity to set it up in a way for your family to celebrate where maybe some parents and some grandparents and others weren't going to be able to make it. But you have opportunity in special times to make a huge, huge difference like that coming of age. Maybe it's when they're getting married. And you're able to sit in there and begin to pour into your son or your daughter's life in prayer and in encouragement. Maybe it's that opportunity when they have their first child and you're there to, to bless that child and bless that family and, and bring in that spiritual support and all of those beautiful things that maybe you wish had been done for you. It's time to start that legacy. It's time to bring that blessing. Maybe there was something you did wrong. It's time to train and break that brokenness. What an opportunity in all these special times, all these special ways to begin to present, whether it's a baptism, whether it's the first time they've ever taken communion or first time they've ever come into the big adult church and they're ready to worship. There's lots of opportunities to make these special moments, legacy making moments, because what you're doing is you're being shaped and you're living a shape that shapes your legacy. And ultimately what happens then is that legacy goes on, becomes a family name. I love this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, you've probably heard it before. He says, if you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Maybe we should change it. You sow a character, you're going to reap a legacy. And I want to encourage you that we don't simply just give this on. We have a map. We know our blessings. We know the brokenness. We've got this. We've seen our past. We look at their future. We look at the spiritual journey. Now with all this information, it's time to put it into a rhythm, a daily rhythm, a monthly rhythm, an annual rhythm, a rhythm of special times. And when we do that, we're going to have an opportunity to see that legacy move forward. What I want to do is I want to encourage you and I want to bless you right now. Let me pray over your family. Let me pray over you. 
Because you might be feeling, man, I've, I've failed. No, you haven't. God is a God of redemption. He gives us second chances all the time. Pick it up. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I haven't done the, the thing most of the time, only some of the time. Well, again, he gives you the energy and the power for godliness and life. He has given you the spirit that can help you transform that. Go to him and ask him to guide you and aid you because you can change this name. You can change this legacy. One rhythm at a time. Father, I ask that you would indeed bless these families, bless these parents and grandparents, give them strength and allow them to begin to move this legacy forward so that you, God, would be glorified in the next generation and the next. And that, God, as this is passed, in this daily rhythm, in this monthly rhythm, in this annual rhythm, in these special moments rhythm, that it would be captured and carried. And we surrender it now to you in Jesus' name. Amen.